Hello, and welcome back to the second episode of Cycle I Cry, the podcast, um, where we discuss all things psychology related with the climate crisis. So today we're going to talk about um, the issue of morality and whether we should mor- moralise the climate crisis from a psychological sense um, and what good and what um, negative aspects can be um, associated with that. So a major factor from a psychological sense anyway in dealing with the climate crisis is um, in the most effective way is the topic of morality and um, how we frame climate motivation and climate action. So it's, like I said before, it's tricky to moralise an issue like this because there are kind of intricacies that underlie um, the process and they actually have the potential to deter people from climate action. Um, okay, so this is something we need to keep in mind, so we'll jump right in. I'm here today with two other undergrad students, Saiv and Eleanor. Do you want to say hi? and we're going to kind of go through an open discussion on the topic and throughout I'll back up the conversation with um, empirical information I won't uh, directly um, refer to any papers but I'll add a little description at the end of the podcast with um, some readings if you guys want to catch up on it Um, and then hopefully by the end of it we can gauge the importance of morality in the crisis that we're all living through and um, the ways in which we frame sustainability issues and the ways that this framing can change our perspectives on the issue. So anyway, first, um, what do we think about calling people out on their kind of unsustainable behaviours? Do we think that's effective? I feel like it can sometimes be a bit redundant in that the people who you're blaming sometimes don't care and you're just the person wagging your finger at them and you're like, they're just like, I don't know, in fairness, I don't think I've ever had someone call me out on my environmental actions. I'd say I've commented on other people's sustainability, but not to their face, which <laughs> is kind of like, I just remember in secondary school just being like, oh, like, did you see, like, she's like ordering, like, like she has a new dress for every event, what the yeah. hell, like, is she not, mm-hmm. like, does she not realise? But I don't think I'd ever have the balls to say it to someone's face. Really? Do you think they would take it on board if you did? No, not at all. Really? I think they'd just be like... I feel like that sometimes people need to come to their own conclusion about it. Mm-hmm. And blame can be like, can divide people and also make them a bit like... Um, they go on the defence then and uh, kind of aren't willing to engage like you've kind of closed the conversation down if you're throwing blame around yeah and yeah and I'm actually glad that the word blame came up when I asked you guys that question because the kind of negative impact of moralizing uh the climate crisis oftentimes revolves around the two like rhyming words of shame and blame Mm. um because neither are effective in actually promoting climate action and sometimes they can reverse motivation to engage in sustainable behavior what mm-hmm. I think would happen. Yeah. I'm thinking of one person in particular <laughs> that I was friends with in school, but I think if I told her, like, hey, like, do you know, like, if you want another dress, you can borrow one of mine. Like, yeah. I think she'd just be like, why would I do that? Yeah. Like, it doesn't affect me. Or even on, on, like, a more systemic level, like we spoke about in the last podcast, the Lancet report from 2020, mm. from 2022, sorry, um, and kind of this narrative around a fossil fuel addiction. It's kind mm. of reverting back to this individual blame and calling people out 
it's funny because placing personal blame on the individual can actually promote this defensiveness like mm. you spoke about and um generally just a resistance to change and um i think therefore like it's important to display the main points of information regarding the climate crisis without attaching blame to individuals as a whole or like a certain individual so like calling somebody out and um this kind of refers back to the idea of moral emotions being split into two of these self-conscious feelings so there's guilt and then there's shame so guilt has stronger ties actually with conscience and remorse which are congruent with the probability of taking action on the root of that guilt so but for me anyway it was hard to come to terms with i feel like it's hard to conceptualize the difference between these two because mm. in my mind they're quite similar what do you guys think yeah i'd agree that they're quite similar but um i don't know i think guilt is probably a smaller emotion than shame shame's a bit more deep-rooted um yeah yeah i think i feel guilty for a shorter amount of time than i feel ashamed about it. yeah shameful about something it's a lot more intense i feel even and like shame the... is harder to confront as well i mm-hmm. think yeah um, definitely Sometimes I feel like if you're guilty about it, you can just outweigh your action with another one. So if you like buy, mm-hmm. say if you like buy a dress from Zara, but then you like did something like I can't, I can't think of an action to like you sold another dress on Depop that yeah. you're not gonna wear again, and you're like or okay, you even wore the Zara dress a hundred times or yeah, to, like, then you're like, and, like you kind of balance your guilty actions, and then it kind of becomes an equilibrium. But for shame, like I don't know how you get rid of shame without. I think time is the only thing for me that, like, if I feel shameful about something that kind of alleviates that shame. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I also feel like shame sometimes is more of a public... I feel shameful when someone else... I would feel guilty if I bought a dress from Zara. I would feel shameful if someone pointed out that I bought a dress from Zara. Mm. I would feel shameful if it's, like... For me, shame is harder to erase from everybody else's memory than it is, like... I think one of the reasons that I feel it for so long is because I'm like, everyone else still remembers it. But guilt is kind of a, more of an internal feeling. Yeah. Shame seems to be more of an external. Definitely. And like, the, it's kind of guilt weighs on your conscious and it's actually something that you kind of internalise and then can externalise in like future behaviours and stuff like yeah. that. But whereas shame, I feel like, like we talked about last time, it can sometimes paralyse you. Yeah. Because you feel like it's not worth like you just blame yourself and like it's so like such a negative self it's very painful i think shame like it's too it's so painful to try and address Mm -hmm. that's why i think is one of the biggest problems with this narrative of blaming the individual and like moving the blame from these corporations towards like individual actions and like our own like Mm -hmm. consumption it's actually crazy if you think about it because if anyone if everyone on the planet stopped eating meat today the climate crisis wouldn't just evaporate into thin air but it's kind of framed that way sometimes, like in the Lancet report. Yeah. Whereas the shame and the blame should be given and it should weigh down on the shoulders of governments and corporations that are contributing endlessly to climate yeah. crisis way more than any individual and any group of individuals. Mm. Where like it's being made to make more environmentally friendly individual choices. Like, it's so difficult to make so many like environmentally friendly choices. Like some people don't have an option to not drive like or like it would be really difficult. Maybe they don't have the time to prepare food that's like plant-based, that's more sustainable. Like, you know, the factors that are influencing a lot of people's environmentally like unfriendly decisions aren't necessarily like. They aren't. Sometimes I don't think they're choices. a decision. Yeah. Because 
it's like, the default like that's yeah been it is the them. default i would say that it like we shouldn't completely alleviate blame or shame from the individual but it definitely has to be proportionate to the so like way more blame and shame should be on the government yeah. and the corporations mm-hmm. than is on the individual or seems to be like the carbon the idea of a carbon footprint which i'm pretty sure was created by the um yeah was it some major oil company were the ones to like invent the concept of a carbon mm-hmm. footprint yeah like, and like we learned about that in school like i remember we like yeah tried to calculate our carbon footprint i remember doing that in ty like the- having a foot yeah like you're so young like and feeling that shame for like oh my god i should be doing better yeah i walk to school she takes the car yeah oh yeah. <laughs> like from such a young age and especially when you're that age like you're not making those decisions no. because it just usually is like the default of what you have at home or what resources you have yeah mm. how like where even geographically you live like where i live like i can't leave there's no bus stop like mm-hmm. if there was a bus from my house i would take a bus but i simply cannot it takes me an hour to cycle to the closest bus stop so like mm-hmm. and that's not on me like that's on the county council and the systems that are in place yeah. to where i live exactly it's kind of a thing of saying like shame on the system that we live in instead yeah. of like yeah. shame on you for driving to work you horrible human being yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> absolutely yeah but like the same might not be the case for blame regarding campaigns that blame kind of society as a whole like this system thing that we're talking about because it is possible it could be more eff- effective when there is this relinquishment of individual blame but we're still blaming the kind of society we live in and our consumption habits as like people who live in a capitalistic society mm-hmm. you know mm. and that's why framing can often rely on the kind of underlying motivational force of morality where guilt can be more effective than shame. And it's just about how we kind of use these moral emotions to mm-hmm. make it the most productive. Like we were saying, change. where like, if I feel guilty about doing something. I usually will counterbalance that guilt with a better action. So at least mm-hmm. I'm still taking some step towards it, but I always feel with shame that I'm paralyzed and that I'm like, yeah. everyone knows that I'm so, I'm like the worst person to exist. And yeah. And there's less I like, can't do empty. anything to yeah. alleviate that. Yeah, definitely. And like you're not going to feel motivated if you're feeling those feelings. No. And you're not going to feel like empathetic to the situation or like... No. Or you won't open up to other people like who want to educate you or want to have conversations about it. Like you'll just shut down and retreat into yourself if mm. you feel like, you know, you're a bad person in relation to this issue. You won't be like willing to engage in the conversation at all. Yeah, definitely. And I want to speak about as well, there's this other potential barrier in kind of providing successful campaigns and action for climate activism and it's this kind of it's called the do-gooder derogation effect so like i'm guessing we've all been in school with someone who like is a high achiever and like a little teacher's pet and they like to do everything by the books and it's kind of annoying isn't it yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely especially when you're like comparing yourself to them and then I know for me anyway I would like look at those people and any mistake they made and be like oh my god yeah yeah like they're yeah, not absolutely. they're not so perfect yeah. they're not perfect yeah. yeah you love to see their flaws yeah but that's like that's insane when you think about it like you're just like picking out the flaws in this person who you perceive to be like morally untouchable yeah, yeah. but yeah it, like the, the whole idea behind it is um that seeing somebody else as significantly morally superior to you can actually engender this irritation with yeah. their their kind of standard i think it's like that everyone hates like when you tell 
oh we're all vegetarian or like on yeah. the ho- yeah. both part vegetarian or like when I was vegan very up until mm-hmm. a very recent point people hate yeah mm-hmm. and then when, when they they hate when they hear and then when they find out they like say I was vegan for what how many years I don't know but like throughout I'd say that whatever length of period I think it was like five years but when I wouldn't say if someone had known me for a while and didn't hadn't yet like known that I was vegan like I wouldn't be shoving it down people's throat I just keep it to myself because like mm-hmm. whatever everyone just mind my own business people would be like wait what and you weren't trying to like shove it down my throat and you're like and pe- also yeah. can I add people love when you're vegetarian and say like you want to eat meat or like say when I was ve- like transitioning from well actually I didn't experience this but when I was vegan people would love to think of the thought of me like eating a piece of cheese like yeah, splurging out my yeah. brother always does that about like marshmallows or parmesan like things they're technically not vegetarian he's like oh that's not vegetarian yeah, and, yeah it's like, and it's like okay like, well like now to enjoy some things yeah still. let a girl live like yeah like people love to yeah I feel like as well like people who are vegetarian and vegan like I do because I know my own environmental consequences of like mm-hmm. eating certain things or wearing certain things or using certain things and like I'm yeah I'm not like people perceive you to have that do good or like oh obviously yeah. I'm already better than me but like I'm not trying to shove it down people like I'm just doing it for myself like yeah you know what I mean but like even further than that it's actually been implied in um the literature that if you even contemplate how someone who engages in a more morally climate um or sustainable behavior that can actually evoke the same effect of seeing them as irritating so if you if you even think about the ways that they are more Mm. moral you can get annoyed by that so like i'm not sure if you've seen the video that went around of greta thunberg eating the soup her eating the soup and there's this like person just recording her and it's almost like they're pointing her out being like oh my god what is she doing like it's a she's eating with a plastic spoon and yeah like all the comments are like tearing her to pieces yeah she's just having her lunch yeah like she's just sitting there trying to enjoy her soup or when people like you write about oh was it Greta Thunberg a while ago people were like being like she's still she's going on a boat to a conference she's still using like um, yeah but yeah even when people see like politicians taking a flight to get to COP27 people love when an environmentally when environmental activist has taken a plane or is in a car or like yeah exactly like they're trying to out them for being like immoral yeah I'm sorry, I'll just say the worst part about the Greta Thunberg situation was that she was actually using a <laughs> reusable spoon and the container was completely compostable. Oh my god, <laughs> of course, that's so cool. But, but I think crazy. that I sometimes get annoyed as well when I'm like, there's so much, like, yeah. they only wear second-hand clothes. Like, I, like I've definitely yeah, been like you're not yeah. the other end yeah. of being like, oh, look at them on the moral high horse. Like, or like feeling like people are showing off by... Yeah. just engaging in sustainable behavior yeah, yeah or trying to make you feel inferior or yeah. something like i don't know but um, it it actually all relates back to this kind of human experience of responding to the idea or the risk of being judged for your morals mm-hmm. and um but if this is an issue especially with people like Greta Thunberg and these kind of prominent activists how can we have um spokespeople for this issue and like these groups of climate activists how can we have them effectively lead by example if they're just going to be called out and judged by that and it seems anyway that we need to find this happy medium between backing up your activism with your actions so leading by example but not showing these off 
So like we said about the vegetarianism or the veganism, you kind of need to resist the urge to tell everyone that you're vegan or vegetarian um, for environmental reasons whenever the opportunity arises. So obviously if it comes up in conversation, it happens. But it's like the idea that you're like going around like flaunting your moral mm-hmm. high ground for not eating meat. I feel like that can be a problem sometimes. Because it's annoying. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. annoying. It is. And also not being judgmental of people who make different choices. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you'd hate to think that someone would actually have grounds for thinking you were judging them. Yeah, true. Like, obviously, it's going to, like, belittle someone if you just, like, walk up and, like, five minutes into the conversation, yeah. you're, like, flashing yeah. your non-meat-eating existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I had a sausage roll earlier. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they're not going to feel the best about themselves. No. But yeah, anyway, I think, like, coming back to the idea of the podcast, I think at the end of the day, if we're going to back up sustainable living with morals, we need to move away from this black and white view of people are either sustainable or unsustainable. Like, someone can be mostly plant-based in their diet, but then have a bit of chicken sometime. But, like, they're still making an effort. So, like, they're still upholding their morals and this kind of um, climate action without fully being like the most sustainable person ever because nobody is yeah. ever going to be entirely sustainable in everything they do mm. like maybe Greta Thunberg it sounds like she yeah, is yeah she's doing pretty yeah, well she's <laughs> doing the best she can actually <laughs> but, a good you know Ross Purcell yeah um, I remember very early on um, she like she does all her hiking and her and, mm. and she does recipes as well and she'd always say that she's like mostly plant based but then she was like I'm not going to call myself vegan but like when I go out for afternoon tea, like sometimes I'll have cakes with my parents. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna, or like if I'm over at my parents' house, I'm gonna have like bread and butter or like scones, my mom's scones and butter. Like, but even though I eat more of a plant based diet, but I feel like she's good. She was one of the first people who I saw actually being open about like yeah. being honest and just being like, like yes, like 90% of the time I am, but there is the 10% that like, mm-hmm. it, I suppose it comes back to the nostalgia as well of like yeah. things that like, are comforting to you and uh, things you enjoy like everything in moderation yeah like you want to like work towards what works best for you in your yeah. situation because it's different for every person and we can't like strive to be this perfect like it's this idea of moral purity where like you have to adjust your behavior exactly to your values but that's extremely difficult and like it's impossible for a lot of people to like engage in that behavior because of the situation that they're in and stuff like that so we should be striving towards what works best for us in our situations mm-hmm. and doing our best to uphold our morals but not putting that pressure on ourselves and yeah doing our best at the we end of the day our best. yeah <laughs> but um anyway to finish things up um the song i've chosen to go with the podcast today is little green by Joni mitchell the song is basically about well in my opinion anyway moving past shame but also being open to the reality that things can be overwhelming and really, really sad, like the climate crisis and trying to be more morally conscious of um, sustainability. Uh, so one lyric actually is, you're sad and you're sorry, but you're not ashamed. Little green, have a happy ending. And I think that's nice. Aww, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and I like the sense of hope that it has about the gravity of the situation, um, which also can be applied to the climate crisis. Absolutely. And it has the word green in the title. And that <laughs> obviously played a part. But anyway, thank you for listening. Enjoy the song and we'll see you next time. Bye. Born with the moon in care.
choose her a name she will answer to call her green and the winters cannot fade her call her green for the children who've made her little green be a gypsy dancer Everything's warmer there. So you write him a letter and say, Her eyes are blue. He sends you a poem, and she's lost to you. Little green, he's a non conformer. Just a little green, like the color when the spring is born. There'll be crocuses to bring to school tomorrow. Just a little green, like the nights when the northern lights perform. There'll be icicles and birthday clothes, and sometimes they'll be so. Child with a child pretending, weary of lies you are sending home. So you sign all the papers in the family name. You're sad and you're sorry, but you're not ashamed. A little green, have a happy ending. A little green, like the color when the spring is born. There'll be crocuses to bring to school tomorrow. Just a little green, like the nights when the northern lights perform. There'll be icicles and birthday clothes, and sometimes they'll be so.